a parent, protecting your children is the most important thing in the world. But there are those times when no matter what you put in place to protect them, outside forces still manage to do the unthinkable. As children, there is no safer place than the warmth of our bed, tucked in away from the monster hiding in the closet or the boogeyman lurking in the shadows. But for some, the evils of the world are much closer and more real than we can ever imagine. And for one three-year-old boy in the summer of 1984, this monster would steal him away and he would never be found. This is Tosho's story. Clark Toshiro Hander was born December 5, 1980, to parents Linda and Ron Hander. Linda brought six children into the relationship, and this baby would be the third for the couple, making the total children in the family as nine. It was a massive, amazing, blended family. The family would refer to the baby by his middle name, Toshiro, which would quickly be shortened to Tosho, and this is what we will refer to him for the rest of the episode. Tosho was your normal little boy. He got dirty and he ate a lot. His family actually thought he may have grown up to be an athlete. He was playful and full of life, vibrant, active and friendly. He never got angry, despite competing with many siblings. He just went with the flow. Said his father Ron, quote, He liked to run around and chase people, unquote. Together, the large family would live in the multi-level home on Magellan Road in the lower middle-class suburb of Fairfield, California. They were a working-class family that lived from week to week to make ends meet. Tosho slept in a ground-floor bedroom with five other family members, sharing a bed with his seven-year-old sister, Rachel. Unfortunately, in 1984, Linda and Ron would separate and he would move to his parents' home in nearby Vacayville. August 22, 1984. Linda was working, so she left her eldest child, 21-year-old Winnerly, and her boyfriend, 23-year-old Michael Verheron, in charge of the younger children. Little did Linda know that after she left, her half-brother, Hank Smith, arrived at the home. Linda did not want Hank around the children. He'd stolen from her previously and he'd served time in prison for robbery. But he was homeless and Dwina Lee took pity on her uncle and allowed him to stay on the condition he would be gone before her mother woke in the morning. Dwina Lee setting up a spare mattress on the floor in the bedroom that Tosho shared with his three siblings. Dwina Lee and Verheron got the younger children ready for bed. It would be Verheron that would tuck Tosho and his older sister Rachel into their bed. Verheron would be the last adult to see Tosho that evening. After Winnerlee and Verheron were confident that the children were asleep, they left at 10pm to stay at Verheron's home nearby. Hey lifers, I've got a new podcast obsession for you, Foul Play Crime Series. Host Shane Waters chooses a specific cold case, and over the course of a season, he drives his mystery machine Tesla all over the United States, searching for answers. On Foul Play Crime Series, you will hear first-hand accounts from witnesses, detectives, family members, and even surviving victims. And those who love a binge, I got you. Foul Play Crime Series has 14 seasons to delve into. Through his podcast, Shane has played a part in solving a serial killer case from the 1980s. 
identified three Jane Doe victims. Season two of the podcast was even turned into a Netflix documentary series, The Keepers. Check out Foul Play Crime Series on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to great podcasts. That's Foul Play Crime Series. Subscribe now. The following morning, Linda went to wake Tosho for breakfast and he wasn't in his bed. She searched the home and around outside and she couldn't find him anywhere. Linda called Ron at his parents, but they hadn't seen Tosho either. Rachel told her mother that she never woke during the night and she didn't know where Tosho was either. That's when Linda noticed that the large window next to Tosho and Rachel's bed was open. This was extremely concerning to her as she never left that window open. Linda called the police and they didn't appear concerned. There was no forced entry into the house and no one had heard or seen anything out of the ordinary. The police theorised Tosho must have got upset over something and went out the window himself to run away from home. Because that's entirely normal behaviour for a three-year-old child. To jump out the window in the middle of the night and run away to start a new life. Why not? Honestly, the stupidity of the police sometimes, it astounds me. Linda must have handled it better than I would because I would have told the police exactly what to do with that theory. Linda began cleaning the bedroom as a form of stress relief. I can 100% empathise here. When I'm under a lot of stress, getting my house in order does help. Like it's the one thing you can control when everything is out of control. Fahiran apparently heard Tosha was missing and he arrived to help. And not knowing how to help, he joined Linda in cleaning the bedroom. Linda found an envelope and was about to throw it away, but Fahiran insisted that she stop and open it. What if it was important? What Linda found chilled her to her core. It was a ransom note. Typewritten on plain, unlined white paper. Now, the entire note has never been made available, but user Police Verso on Reddit pieced it together from an investigation discovery documentary on the case. Your child is okay. 25000 for your child's return. In small, unmarked bills. 20s, 50s and 100s. Place the money in a clear plastic bag with the end tape tight. Have the blonde girl that drives the blue truck. Bring it to the Thrifty Supermarket, Friday at 9pm on Sunset Street off Highway 12 in Salson. And wait by the payphone for my call for further instructions. This will give you enough time to get the money. It better be that girl because I will be watching. Have her use the blue Chevrolet truck with the camper shell. Watching. Remember, I'll be watching. Be alone because I'll be watching every step of the way. So, no cops. Or anyone following her or you'll never see your child again. She better be alone in the truck. Remember, watching every step of the way. Now, like any parent would do in this situation, you call the police regardless of what the ransom note said. As Linda would later state, quote, You cannot not call the cops. They'd have to know that. Unquote. Linda was fully prepared to do whatever it took to follow the other demands of the note and somehow get this money together. Which, considering the handers were not wealthy or even comfortable financially, it was going to take everything they had. Another strange and curious thing about the ransom note 
Not only did the kidnapper choose a financially struggling family, but the ransom was only $25,000. Normally, ransom demands are hundreds of thousands of dollars, and for children of wealthy or notable families. But the Handers were just your normal, average working-class family. Regardless, the police did take Tosho's disappearance seriously now, and the FBI were called in to assist. Ron's employer came up with the ransom money to help the family in their time of need, and Winna Lee was wired up by the FBI. Investigators watched from afar while Winna Lee drove to the designated payphone, and everyone waited for that nine o'clock phone call. But the call never came, and investigators were back to square one on their search for Tosho. The search was extensive. Volunteers, family and friends did all they could to help. All local pedophiles were interviewed. A man who had recently done some work at the Hander family home became a suspect. He would deny any involvement, but he failed the polygraph. But police had nothing else to go on, so he was never arrested. Another frustrating dead end. Police did interview Linda's half-brother, Hank Smith, who had stayed the night without Linda's consent. Police found him the next morning sleeping under a bridge. He would claim that he woke and Tosho was not in his bed, but he didn't think that much of it. Maybe he went into his mother's bed or another sibling's. Hank denied knowing anything of what happened to Tosho and he would pass his polygraph, clearing him of any suspicion. The only other person police considered was Michael Fahiran. Unbeknownst to the Hander family was that Fahiran had a previous conviction for child molestation and was banned from being alone with any child. And he was the last adult to see Toshio that night. And he was so insistent for Linda to open the envelope that contained the ransom note. Fahiran, of course, would deny any involvement in little Toshio's disappearance, but refused to take a polygraph. Now, under normal circumstances, I would fully support this. I would also refuse to take a polygraph. They are easily manipulated. They can give false readings based on your mental and emotional state at the time, and they aren't admissible in court anyway. But Fahiran's reasoning made police all the more suspicious of his motives. The reason Fahiran gave for not doing the polygraph The reason Fahiran gave for not doing the polygraph was because he had psychic visions of what happened to Tosho, and these visions would cause him to fail the test. Because the visions told him what happened, that the boy was taken from home and now he was dead. Police were certain they had their guy, they just had to prove it. They were granted a warrant to search his home. There they found a typewriter and the same paper and envelope that was used for the ransom note. Now, unfortunately, FBI technicians determined the typewriter not to be a match to the note. The letters just didn't line up. So ultimately, there just wasn't enough evidence there for an arrest. And it would be 30 years before police were able to prove their instincts were correct, and finally Tosho would receive some justice. For five years, the Hander family pulled out all stops and actively looked for their son, but there were no clues, just false leads and calls from hoaxers claiming to know what happened to Tosho. A number of years later, a man would come forward claiming that he was Clark Toshiro Hander. But after DNA analysis was carried out, 
it was determined that the man was definitely not the missing boy. Tosho's case was reopened in 2011, and with the help of FBI agents, investigators were able to make some groundbreaking progress with some new substantial evidence coming to light. April 2016, Michael Fahiran would again come to the attention of police. He was in prison, serving a 26-year-to-life sentence for numerous sexual assault charges on a minor, dating between 1981 and 2002, serving his time in Valley State Prison in Chadchilla. And more and more evidence came to light. January 2018, Michael Fahiran was convicted for the murder of Clark Toshiro Hander, receiving a sentence of 25 years to life. This sentence will be served concurrently with his child molestation charge. Because he pled guilty, a kidnapping charge was dismissed. Fahiran claimed that he was one of three that night on a drug-fueled binge, and this was when he planned the kidnap for ransom plot. That he knew through his girlfriend Winnerly of Ron's retirement money, which totaled around $25,000. To Fahiran, this was enough to leave the area and start a new life somewhere else. After everyone went to bed, Fahiran slipped through the window that he left opened. He blindfolded and grabbed a sleeping Tosho, leaving the ransom note on Tosho's bed. He said he chose Winnerly to make the ransom drop because that was his girlfriend and he believed she would tell him everything about the police investigation that he also tampered with the typewriter after the fact so the keys wouldn't line up like they had when he used it to type up the ransom note, the perfect crime. Fahiran then took Tosho to an abandoned home in Vacayville where his accomplices were waiting. More drugs were consumed and at some stage little Tosho's blindfold slipped down and he saw who had taken him, recognising Fahiran immediately, saying to Fahiran, quote, why are you doing this to me? Unquote. According to Fahiran, he had no other option but to strangle Tosho and then bury his body somewhere close by. But because of the passage of time and the drugs he consumed, he no longer remembered where. As for the man and woman with him that night, their identities have never been released and the police haven't been able to collaborate their stories because the woman is now dead and the man is nowhere to be found. The Handers were obviously devastated after hearing Verheron's confession, as they always held out hope that Tosho was still alive. However, Ron does not want to hold on to any anger for what may or may not have happened to his son. In his victim impact statement, Ron addressed Verheron, quote, I've forgiven him. Biblically speaking, I think he must answer to God. Unquote. A potential area that Fahiran thinks may or may not be where they buried Tosho's body is in the hillside near Martin Road in Fairfield to the 5900 block of Cherry Glen Road in Vacayville, not far from where Tosho lived with his mother. Unfortunately, this area has grown too much over the years for Fahiran to speak with any certainty or to pinpoint a specific location. What's painful for Ron is that he still lives right by this hillside. Quote, I ride my bike past there every day. I could be riding past my son. Unquote. Ron has since remarried to a woman named Judy, 
I couldn't find any details on Linda after the initial search efforts. Her grief may have just been too great and she chose to step away from the public, which is understandable. Ron has used his grief to help others. He and Judy visit prisons all over the Bay Area and minister to inmates. He is involved in a project regarding restorative justice. The family still want to know why Tosho was killed, said Ron in his most recent media interview in 2018, quote, I would love to speak to Michael and ask him why, but I'm not ready yet. For his older brother Josh, who was eight years old when Tosho was taken, his beloved brother is never far from his mind, quote, It has made me super paranoid about my kids being left alone. There is no closure for us at all, but at least we are at peace, unquote. The family one day hoped to find Tosho's body and erect a memorial for the little boy who never got the chance to grow up. At the time of his disappearance, Clark Toshiro Hander was three years old. He went by his middle name Toshiro and his nickname Tosho. He is biracial, coming from Japanese and Caucasian descent. Tosho was three foot three and around 35 to 40 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a long-sleeved, two-toned brown striped pullover top and red pyjama pants. If Tosho was still alive today, he would be 42 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Tosho Hander, please contact the Fairfield City Police Department on 707 428 7374. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice. And subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Hold up. 